Isn't this fun? How many know church should be fun? How many know church should be filled with good-looking people? And how many of you are doing your part? Look at your neighbor and say, you're doing your part this morning. You're looking good. Oh, my goodness. So, well, hey, we're so glad to have you. If you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. We are continuing our series entitled Home Improvements. And uh, part of our theme verse is simply this from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 through 4. It says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I I love it. By wisdom a house is built. How many know that healthy homes just don't magically appear? How many know healthy homes just don't magically appear? Help me out this morning. Say, yeah, that's not what happens. How many know it takes work and effort and focus? It takes energy. It takes wisdom. How do you begin to take your, your home, your, your family, where they're at now, and, 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 and your home life, and how do you begin to improve it? And it requires wisdom. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at different ideas about ways that God's Word instructs us in how to, how to improve our homes. And last week, Pastor Dwayne did an amazing job on talking about speaking life. And not only did, we, uh, did he share on a Sunday morning, but then on Wednesdays, we continue the conversation. And I want you to know, we had an amazing conversation around the idea of speaking life uh, here Wednesday nights at 6.30, like this past week. It was, I thought it was really good. We had great dialogue and discussion. And just so you know, we have stuff for the youth and for the kids. And, and, and we really think that this idea is so important about improving our homes that we need to lean into it and talk about it. Now, I'm just going to prepare you. I'm going to share some things that may not make some people happy, especially teenagers, and um, that's okay. I I want you to know I love you. Some of the parents are going to be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I wish you would share this sooner. And no, I am not going to be sharing from the passage that says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, and you live long. Because how many know that? We won't go there this morning, but uh, today we're going to talk about rebuilding the walls. How many know there's a difference between surviving and thriving? Okay, have you ever been in that family moment where it felt like you were just struggling to survive? Right? It it could be because there were financial issues going on. Uh, It it could be that you were dealing with with your kids that were just... How many know that kids can be some of the greatest uh, joys and sometimes some of the biggest pains? Can I get a witness on this one? Right? And you're struggling. How do, you, how do you wrestle through these things? You know, how do, we, how do we keep them alive long enough to have grandchildren? You know, you wrestle with all these different ideas. And many times, uh, people go through life as families struggling to survive. I believe that God desires that our homes be more than just something that we continually wrestle through or have to survive. I believe that God wants to help us so that our families can thrive, so that each individual can live the purpose that they were created for. How many knew God knew what he was doing when he made us, when he made our kids, when he put our family together? How many knew God knew what he was doing? Okay, a few of us. 
How many know that, that you know, that, that sometimes we live far below it, yet God says, listen, I want to I teach you, and I, I love what it says because I'm convinced God wants our families to thrive. It tells us this in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, life more abundantly, or life to the full, that Jesus has come to help us. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, whether, you know, just a family, you're starting out, or, or maybe you're just a husband and wife and there are no kids yet. It may be that you're single and hoping one day that you get a family. It may be that your kids are up and grown and, and you're a grandparent now. It may be you're in the midst of the struggle with family at home. It doesn't matter where we're at. God says, listen, I want you to know me so that you can thrive at home. So today as we talk about thriving at home, I, I want to share an idea that I think is absolutely vital for thriving at home, and that is this. Healthy boundaries are necessary for families to thrive. Everybody say healthy boundaries. Now, I, I want to talk about boundaries for a moment because you know what a boundary is? It, it is a parameter that defines... Uh, and, and in this context, defines our home life and protects our family so that each individual can be the person God created them to be. The parameters, that there, there are these things, parameters, and we're going to use the language of wall just simply because we're going to be looking in Nehemiah. But, but these parameters are walls that they, they begin to define our lives and protect our family. You see, parameters uh, help us understand that our lives have limits. How many know we are created in the image of God, but we are not God? How many know that we have limits? Can I get a witness on this one? We've only got so much height. How many of you only got so much height? You know those people that you're at the mall and you see them? Mary, you know all about this, right? It's way up top, and you're like, how am I supposed to get it? It's the limit, right? And then some of us, then there's some, I was going to say, some of us really tall people, have you ever watched people, tall people, get into really small cars? It's always kind of fun. Let's watch them as they like pretzel themselves in. Like, but but, but your, your, your physicality has a limit to it. How many know there's a limit to our time? Like we've only got so much time. How many know there's a limit to our energy? And that as we get older, it seems like that limit is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. There's a limit. And if we're not careful, what happens is when we are not mindful of our limits, we begin to live beyond these things. And instead of experiencing life, all of a sudden we feel drained. We, we, feel, we, we feel overwhelmed. We, we begin to get, get worn out because we, we are not unlimited beings. And so the, there's a need for boundaries. Further... If you look at the, uh, Jesus teaching his followers about the Lord's Prayer, it's fun when you look at Matthew and you look at Luke and the comparison between the two, because one of the differences is this, that, that in one of them it says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the idea in that is that, you know, when we sin, there's this idea that there's something that's owed. And sometimes we're the one that's owing, sometimes we feel that people owe us. In the other account, it says this, and this is the one we're generally familiar with. It says, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, what does it mean to trespass? 
It means to encroach or to cross someone's boundary, right? How many of you, you got little posted signs on your yard or your, you know, I, I have them, you know, like prosecutor, no, what is it? Yeah. Trespassers will be shot, right? Like that's, we like that one, right? Like, hey, don't, don't cross this line. Because you know what it's like when a boundary in your life is transgressed, Right? You feel like someone's kind of stepped into your space and, and, and it's kind of, it, it, it causes that tension. And sometimes there are people who transgress our boundaries. Other times we transgress others. And so this idea of boundaries, we need to have boundaries. And, and I think if we are going to thrive as humans, we need to be mindful of boundaries. Now, I want to speak specifically within this message about kids, because I'm pretty passionate about kids. I think kids are amazing. How many know that children need boundaries to thrive? Some of you parents, you're like, what? <laughs> children need boundaries to thrive. And did you know that your children are looking for where the boundaries are? How many here have willful children that are always pushing the limits? Why do they push the limits? You're like, because they're miserable humans, right? That's not it. The reason they push the boundaries is because they want to know where the boundaries are. And the reason they push is, okay, is this a boundary? And you know what the, the amazing thing is? Is that when boundaries are established and children know where the boundaries are, they actually do so much better. If the boundaries are always nebulous and changing... It creates an insecurity in children and actually impedes and inhibits their capacity to grow and to thrive. Now, so as we look at this idea of boundaries, uh, we're, we're really going to kind of push into some ideas that, that, that'll, um, that, that I think are really important for people to flourish. And this idea of boundaries is so important. So we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to read just verses 1 through 6. Um, there are so many good ideas in the book of Nehemiah that if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it this week. Um, but, but where we're at in the story, we're right at the beginning. And the way it sets up is simply this, that several decades have passed since the children of Israel went into exile. And the children of Israel, after a certain number of years, were given the opportunity to return to Jerusalem to begin again. And so if you've ever read your Bible, you know there's a book called Ezra, and the story of Ezra is about God's people returning to Jerusalem, and then they rebuild the temple. The story of Nehemiah, though, is the story of the rebuilding of the walls. And so I want to look at a few ideas from this this morning. And so this is how it begins in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was... In the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. I want you to note the word survive there. Like people had survived. Like they, they're making it. Okay? And also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Now, as we look at this, I want to note three important ideas. I want you to see as, you, as we read this account that, that there were a people that, that were surviving, yet the conditions were such that, that the, the walls were down. And the report comes to Nehemiah. The people are in great distress and they're experiencing disgrace because the walls are down. Now as we think about this this morning, an idea I want you to remember is this, is that broken walls leave families vulnerable to attack. Like when Nehemiah hears this report, he is crushed in spirit. He's like, this is not good. There's something not right about the condition of my people, of what they're experiencing of God's people. He's like, something's not right. And the report is they're in distress or they're in trouble. And not only that, they're dealing with disgrace. And the reason was is because the walls were broken and the gates were burned. And because of these two conditions, the people were vulnerable to the hostility of others. And it helps us understand, I think, a really important idea about thriving. You can many times survive without boundaries, but very rarely will you thrive. And the reason is this, is because it's hard to thrive without security. It's hard to thrive without boundaries. And the reason is, is because without those boundaries, there are things that, man, you, there, there are things that individuals and families are susceptible to that will ruin and destroy them. Again, the, the importance of walls is that they provide the parameters and they protect from hostile forces that seek to define and to diminish the city. Now within this, there's this idea that I think you and I need to be aware of, and that's this, is that we live in a world that is hostile. How many know life is not easy? And we live in a world where there is, is difficulty. And I want you to know that our families our targets, especially our children. Now, there is some naive thinking that I think sometimes fills the church and just that people have, and that is this, that everyone is acting for our good. Um, I don't know that that's true. Pretty sure it isn't. And I think this is so important because without the boundaries... Our families are far more vulnerable than we realize. So I want to talk about real quickly about how every, every individual here, and even more importantly, every child, is a target. Now, now when I say that, it's like going, what? Let me explain. One of the things in our world, and, and again, this is not, to, to me, this is, this is just a reality of the world that we're in, Everyone 
in our world is a target. And one of the things that our world wants is brand loyalty. Okay, I want to talk about brand loyalty for a moment because I'm not sure we're always aware of this. Brand loyalty simply means this, that if you, um, well, let me back up. Let me explain this way. How many of you have a favorite sports team? All right, a few of us. Patriots, we heard it this morning. It just, we, we need to pray, pray for Tina and, and Steve and Stephanie. Oh, Lord, let, let's just pray. Bow your heads. Um, but, but you all know about team loyalty, right? It, it's, it's the brand. They, they wear the gear. Like, it doesn't matter if the Packer jersey is on sale or the Bills jersey is clearanced. They're not buying it. Why? Because, I know, I thought I heard a cow for a moment. Uh, um, the, the, the reason they're not buying it is because they're like, that's not my team. That, that's not my team. And did you know that, that all these corporations, all these organizations, there are tons of things that long to get you to identify with their product, that it becomes your favorite product, and it becomes the thing you go to and you buy when you need Shoes, shirts, pants, cars. Like, it's fun because I just bought a truck. I got a Ford. And just so you know, I'm the kind of guy that plays the field when it comes to trucks. I've had a Dodge. I've had a Chevy or GMC. And now I got a Ford. But it's great because there are some people that you're looking for found on road dead. Fix or repair daily. Some of you, you grew up, you're like, I would never own a Ford. Some of you like going forward, the only thing I'll drive. And what it does is there's this idea that, boy, if, if I can get that kind of loyalty, then when they have to make their next purchase, their next decision, we know exactly where they're going. So they, they actually do this. You, you may not realize this, but credit card companies, you know what space they will pay big dollar for to, um, to, to hawk credit cards? is at colleges and universities. And the reason why is this is because in college and university, when one of those students gets a card, very likely that will become a card for life. Because it's the brand they have connected with. And this, I think, is important because it, it happens all the time. And it's not only just to you guys, adults, how many know they do this toward children? They do this toward children because if they can get a kid to say, this is my brand, this is my thing, then all of a sudden they'll be, that will be their thing for their whole life. And just so you know, it doesn't, it's not just a thing about uh, products, it's also a thing about politics. It's like, it goes all across the board. If we can get them to buy into us, then we can have them sometimes for their whole life. And you know what? When they look at us and when they offer us deals and programs and different things like that, they're not always looking for our good, but for what good they get out of it long term. Now, just, you know, I'm not mad about this. I just think we need to be wise to this. Because the truth is, not only are we targets, but every child is a target. 
Every child. And again, I don't think this calls for fear, but wisdom. We need to be wise to this stuff when it comes to our homes. Now, how many of you remember the story of the three little pigs? Remember this one? Three, how many love the three little pigs? I, I, this morning, I was just like, how many know this three little pigs? And someone was just like, Pastor, would you tell the story again? I was like, I'd love to. I'd love to. You remember there's three little pigs, and they built three little houses? One builds it out of straw. The other builds it out of wood. The third one builds it out of brick, right? You remember, you guys good, you were on the story. And, and, then, and then you remember the big bad wolf comes up, and he knocks on the door, and he says, let me in. And the pig responds by saying, not by the hair of my... Yeah, see, you guys are so good. You know this one. Yeah. And, and, the, and the big bad wolf goes, okay, I'm going to huff, and I'm going to puff, and I'm going to blow your house down. Remember this? And so the straw house, huff, puff, and it blows it away. And then he goes to the sick house, and he huffs and puffs, blows it away. And it, depending on what story or version of the story you read, either they will run to the next house, or they will get eaten. I miss the stories where the kids get, I mean, the pigs get eaten, not the kids, the pigs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, sorry, I got, I got a lot of issues. One of them is they keep changing all these stories. The gingerbread man gets eaten. He doesn't just lose his buttons, right? Like, that's, he's done, right? Anyways, that's just me. I'm working through. My therapist says I'm making progress. Anyways, <laughs> they finally, the big bad wolf gets to the last house, which is the brick house, and remember, he huffs and puffs, and he can't blow it down, right? And everyone's like, yay, we all need brick houses. My question is this, what if the wolf got smart? And instead of saying, why blow these things down? Why not just create something so that we can get invited in? And one of the things that I think has happened in our time, in our culture, is that we have actually let the big bad wolf in to our houses. And I think that we've done it in such a way that we have a culture that targets kids, individuals and children, and we've invited them in. In preparing for the series, I did a whole bunch of reading and studying and stuff like that. One of the studies I came across I found very interesting. Um, since 2012, there has been a dramatic increase in the deterioration of the mental health of boys and girls. Like, not, not just like little bumps, we're talking skyrocketing, okay? And one of the things that has happened since 2012 has been the ubiquity of cell phones and apps and screens that individuals have. And what ends up happening is people spend time on Facebook, all of a sudden it's not just about what their life looks like, it's just like what my life should look like. Not, not just about who, who I think I am, who I think I should be. And there's all this comparison and, and just so you know, it, it like, Young ladies are incredibly susceptible to this, but not just young ladies, also boys. And with this dramatic increase, they have seen an increased 
an increase in depression and self-harm. Which I just think is terrible. How many know being a kid is hard? Right? Like it's like you're going through, you're going through all this stuff, and, and, and all of a sudden there's all this extra junk that's being poured into them. And there's all this branding and this, these agendas and different things that are pulling at our kids. And just so you know, they are paying, I don't know if you know this or not, but they pay billions and billions and billions of dollars to get individuals, whether adults or children, to click on one thing and then go to the next. How many of you have ever got caught in the Facebook scroll? And all of a sudden you're like, well, that looks really interesting. Huh, <laughs> kittens, who doesn't love kittens? And you scroll to the next, kittens, kittens. And then, it's just, and then it starts changing. And you keep scrolling. They pay, they pay billions of dollars to get people to do this. I actually know someone who uh, works for a huge social media company who's trained in psychology, who uses, who, who she works in the place, and she's told me she feels terrible about it, which I believe but how they use psychology to get people to keep going back and back and back and back. And, and this is the thing that I think is so, so, so interesting because we talk about, you know what, we need to improve our homes. And we talk about a whole bunch of different things, but I think part of the, the practice is, hey, how are these things impacting our life? Because I think the walls are down. And I think that our families are increasingly in distress. And not only that, that they're dealing with disgrace. Even this last week, I think it was this last week, my, my days are kind of falling together. Um, Apple promoted a new product. How many heard about Apple Vision? And do you know what Apple Vision is? It's about you take a screen and basically you put it right in front of your eyes and you can watch, you can scroll, you can make it bigger, you can make it smaller, you can see past it. If you've ever watched like Marvel and, and they have the movies or the things where you know, there's stuff in front of you visually and you just move your fingers like this or like this and you can scroll and move things. It's super cool. But you know what it's doing? Is it's further isolating individuals. And this is part of the reason why I think families are, are fragmenting is because part of what's happened is everybody gets to sit around and do their own thing. So this I want to talk about kids for a moment because you may not know this about children, but how many know that children are not long-term thinkers? They actually don't have just, and, and this isn't a bad thing, this is just a developmental thing. Children don't appreciate the consequences of their behavior. They don't. And, and just so you know, it's worse for boys than girls. This part of the brain, develop, uh, brain development for males generally doesn't get complete until 25, which is awesome. For girls, it's earlier. This is why often girls seem way more mature than boys do. And the reason is, is because their capacity to think long-term actually is is developed in them faster than boys. But kids do not see the long term. They do not see the, the, the causation between, they, 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 don't, they don't appreciate future stuff like adults do. And this I think is, is, is incredibly important because the, con, the context of where we're living now 
is we're all about saying, well, whatever a child wants now, we need to give it to them because they know what's best for them. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Did I say that? Shoot. I just thought it. Because kids can't, they, like, I, I think it's funny because, did you know at school, the, the, what, what kids begin their study in is generally not the degree they end in. They keep changing it. Right? So don't get me started. Kids don't have this. And, and this is why we have to be careful because all this media stuff and all these things to target are to get people to impulsively respond so it becomes a default reflex and they can't see beyond. And this is why I'm, I'm concerned many times because I look at families and I'm like, the walls are down. And like Nehemiah, like Nehemiah, this brokenness should unsettle us. And I think it is. I, I think there's an unsettling. We, we see stuff. Like I, I've heard from parents, oh my goodness, they're pushing this at school or, 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 or there's this stuff going on and, 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 and they're... they're all this stuff, and parents are like, oh my goodness, and it's beginning to unsettle. A little late, but that's okay. I'm glad they're being unsettled. When Nehemiah heard that the walls were down, it says that he sat down and wept. He was broken by it. And I'm convinced, I don't care whether you're like, you're single or you're like, you know, old, you know, when maybe you have grandchildren. Boy, we ought to be concerned about the families, our families, the families around us. And it ought to touch our hearts. It says that, they, that, that he mourned and fasted and prayed, and the reason he did it, because he knew that without the walls, the vulnerability of the city would be exploited. Again, the brokenness of our family should unsettle us. If our families aren't thriving, our children will never thrive. And part of this is rather than casting blame or shifting responsibility, we need to live as responsible moral agents. Like, for me, like, listen. Okay, so this, is my, this is the way I process my world. You ready for it? I am not surprised that people who want nothing to do with God make decisions that have nothing to do with God. Like, it's not like, oh my goodness, what? No, I'm like, it is. And, and again, I, I don't think this is something we should, be, we should fear, but something we should be wise about. But part of it is, as we look at our own families and our own homes, the question is, what are the conditions of the walls? And it's interesting because Nehemiah... He's like, he's like cupbearer to the king. He's in a totally different country, in a totally different city. He sees it. His heart is crushed. And he begins to pray. And rather than casting blame on everybody else, because it's everybody else's fault, he begins to take responsibility for his stuff. As we keep reading, we'll find out that God provides favor for restoration. That this is actually just the inter introduction to Nehemiah's story. And it's a story about the restoration of the walls. 
And what we find in this entire story is that, that God continues to work and He begins to provide favor so that restoration may take place. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter where your family is at now. It doesn't matter whether the walls are, are standing or whether they're porous. God's heart and His desire is to provide grace and favor for a work of restoration for every family. The reason we know this is because of the gospel. That when God saw the fallenness of humanity, instead of abandoning them, He says, I will come to redeem them. And what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary not only triumphed over sin, but it broke the power of sin. And He offers it to you and to me so that our lives don't have to be defined by our brokenness. That we can know healing and we can know grace. But not only did He do that, but Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to His followers that they might be empowered to live out the purposes of God so that they can reestablish healthy boundaries for families to thrive. Again, healthy boundaries are necessary for families to thrive. And, and again, my, my heart is God in this time, in this season, if we're going to improve our homes, we need to rebuild the wall. Now, Nehemiah's story, again, provides some important steps how to do this. And let, let me just offer a few things about how we can begin to re rebuild the walls. The first thing is this, begin with prayer. We need to begin with prayer. Restoration begins with prayer. It, when we pray, we begin to attune our hearts to the purposes of God. We, we begin to invite God into our situations and circumstances, both to help and to heal and we need to be doing this as couples and in, as individuals. We need to be doing this as families. Now, I, I want to speak to the dads that are here specifically. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but typically in church, there are generally more women than men. I mean, have you ever noticed that? Right? And the reason is, is because women are generally far more spiritual, spiritually intuitive and aware than men are. How many know men have, a, have an ability to be incredibly obtuse to what's going on, right? What? Man, I mean, I, I love it. I love when I'm like going, what? what? What's going on? Did I miss something, right? Um, women have this, this capacity. Many times they, they just begin to intuit and they begin to, and because of it, they, they, they generally are, are way more responsive to spiritual things. Where men, not so much. But I want you to know that, that men, whether you're single, whether you're married, uh, whether you're a grandparent, doesn't matter, men, we need to be men who pray for our families. We need to be men who, who are praying and interceding. I, I, there, there's this really interesting verse in Genesis chapter 25 um, where, where Isaac, it says this in uh, Genesis 25, 21, Isaac prayed on behalf of his wife and the Lord answered his prayer. It's not that women can't pray or that God doesn't hear women's prayers. There's just something that happens when men begin to say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to do my part for the spiritual developments and the spiritual condition of my family. And so I think prayer is so important. Secondly, if, if we're going to rebuild the walls, we need to, we, it, it requires an honest evaluation. If you've read the story of Nehemiah, you'll find out that he examined the walls before he began to fix them. 
And, and I think that if we're going to begin to rebuild the walls of our families, we, we need to begin by asking, where are we experiencing distress? Where are we experiencing disappointment or disgrace? We need to begin to evaluate. Now, just to pre prepare you for some of this stuff, that how many know we didn't get to where we are in a day, so we won't get out of it in a day? Right? And, and, and part of it is we need, we need to be able to evaluate and we need to be say, okay, God, would you begin to help us see honestly where we are at? And not only where we are at, but what was our part in bringing us to this place? Now, this is where it gets a little difficult. Because sometimes it's, it's so much easier to blame everybody else for the junk that we're experiencing rather than accepting responsibility for the stuff that we've done that have that has helped allow us to be exactly where we are. And if we don't address that stuff, um, it's hard to find the stuff to go forward. Another thing that we need to do if we're going to rebuild the walls, it begins with prayer, requ requires an honest evaluation. We also need to enlist the help of others. Nehemiah recognized he couldn't do the job himself. It would require the effort of everyone. I want you to know that rebuilding walls within the family requires the help of the family. Rebuilding walls requires help within the family. And it's really about helping everybody get on the same page. So I remember a number of years ago, our family, as we were, you know, we were trying to get out of debt, we were like doing the whole Dave Ramsey thing and getting out of debt. How many know that getting out of debt can be a really helpful thing? Oh my goodness, not having to deal with these payments anymore and stuff like that. Because sometimes you're like the, 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 the weight of the financial stuff. And I remember we just made the decision, you know, we're going to work to get out of debt. And it wasn't just a decision that I made or a decision that Rachel made. It was a decision we began to, to talk through and enlist our entire family in. And the reason we did is because how many know that our kids, because they're kids who want everything now, they just know now, they can be incredibly demanding. I want this. I want this. And you're shopping, and sometimes we try to silence them by just buying something for them. But we had to make the decision. We had to make the decision. You know what? We're doing this not just individually, but we're doing this as a family. And we talked through it as a family. And we raised our game, not just individually, but we raised our game as a family. And you know what? This is, I'm, I'm, my, my kids, the way they manage their finances in their 20s is better than I managed my finances in my 30s. And the reason is, is because we taught them as we went. And I think that if we're going to rebuild walls, that it's, you know what, we have to enlist the help of others. And sometimes it's not just the people in our family. Sometimes it's getting some outside help. Because if we're going to rebuild the walls, it's going to require others to be a part of it. We also have to begin the work. Rebuilding walls requires work, energy, or effort through time. And, and, and part of this is, is that we have to have this, this understanding that as we begin to rebuild the walls, they're not just going to magically arise. It is going to require a time, attention, and effort on our parts. And with that, we should expect opposition. How many know that not everybody is happy with rebuilding projects? It was the same with uh, Nehemiah's case. 
There were people both within and without that sought to, to hinder and to keep it from moving forward. And I just want to prepare you that if you're in the place where you're saying, you know what, we need to work to improve our family. We, we, need, we need to work to rebuild walls. We need to begin to establish parameters. I want you to know, you will experience opposition. There will be moments sometimes, you know, maybe you're trying to get out of debt and the kid's throwing the fit and you're like going, hey, do, do I swipe or not? But sometimes it's going to be you. Because how many of you get a little hungry shopping? How many of the worst time to shop is when you're hungry? Right? And you're just like, oh my goodness. Now, what we did at the time is we were like going, okay, the only way we're going to buy food or, or stuff like that is if we have cash for it. And I want you to know, no cash, no food. That's the way we worked for a little bit. It was kind of crazy. That was the season we were in. You know what the temptation is? Is Well, hey, I may not have cash, but I got my card and I just have to swipe. If I can just swipe, then you know what? Then th this will. And you know what happens is many times we, we allow our own selves. Uh, we don't recognize the opposition that we experience personally as we wrestle through these things. But I want you to know that the things that we struggle with today and we battle through to help rebuild these walls enable us to have better tomorrows. Another thing we need to do if we need to re rebuild the walls is we need to adjust as, as needed. There will be moments when, I, when the ideal collides with the real. And rather than getting discouraged and giving up, we just need to adapt and adjust. Part of, part of growing and rebuilding the walls is discerning the seasons that we're a part of. And lastly, we need to celebrate wins. Because I want you to know that when you become intentional about rebuilding walls, establishing healthy boundaries in your family that God wants to work with you, and as you begin to work with God and you begin to do these different things, all of a sudden you're going to find out there's going to be increased traction in your life. And, and there's going to be victories that are going to come, out, come about as a result of it. And what you need to do is you need to learn to celebrate wins. Because healthy boundaries are necessary for families to thrive. And I have found that what's rewarded gets repeated. And when you begin to celebrate victories and you begin to celebrate progress, all of a sudden it's like going, hey, let's go get the next thing. If you continue to, to reward bad behavior, how many know all you get is more bad behavior? And, and so part of this is saying, okay, we, we have to begin to establish these boundaries. Again, as we look at Nehemiah, broken walls leave families vulnerable to attack. This brokenness should unsettle us. And God provides favor for restoration. So I want to challenge you with a few things this week. Okay, you ready for them? Number one, I want to challenge you to pray for restoration. Pray for restoration of the walls. As, as individuals, as, as couples, as family, begin to pray, God, would you help us have healthy boundaries in our lives? But not only that, I, I would also encourage our families to schedule screen-free evenings. They just really want to talk to me. They want to let you know that your extended warranty is running out. Um, the, but this idea of actually scheduling screen-free, even, so, so I, get to, I get to pastor, right? And uh, I, I get to stand, I get to talk to people. I have noticed, not just, not, not you guys, not, not, nobody here. But, but sometimes people get on their phones. 
And it's not to take notes or to look at the Bible app. But, but it's not just stuff we do here. Have you ever had that family night where you get together and you all sit in the same room and everybody's on their own screen? And, 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 and I just think that, hey, if we, are going to, if we are going to actually provide healthy parameters, we actually have to learn to relate to one another and do stuff screen-free. I'm not saying that you have to do it all time, but I think it requires wisdom. I think it requires wisdom for parents to decide when is the appropriate time for a child to have a cell phone. Okay, you want to hear what we do in our house? Because we're terrible humans. Kids hate us at times. They don't hate us. They love us. Um, we say our kids aren't allowed cell phones until they're 16. Right? And the reason why is this. I don't trust my children to drive my vehicles until they're 16. I'm just saying, well, why not? Okay, I'll be totally honest, because I don't want them to wreck my car. <laughs> but they could also get hurt, right? Let me throw that one in there. Did you know that this is just me? I think that cell phones, specifically with all the screens and all the apps and stuff like that, I think they're actually more dangerous than vehicles. More dangerous. And I want you to know, I don't think it's up to the children to decide what's appropriate because kids cannot think long-term. Parents can. And I think... Let, 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 if we're, people are like, but they need a phone because what if there's an emergency, right? How many of you did not have a cell phone growing up? Raise your hands. Oh, my goodness. Did you, and you made it? Holy cow. Do you remember the day when the phone was tethered to the wall? Come on now. And you got the really long cords so you could walk around the house and strangle your children you walk around, right? And, and, and I got another thing. Um, th they have this great technology with cell phones, by the way. This is just to help people so that you can put them down for a while. It's called voicemail. If they need to leave a message, they can leave it, and you can get to it later. See, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm concerned for our families, and again, I think one of the reasons is the fact that we've actually let the wolf into the house. And in letting the wolf into the house, we haven't, um, that it is doing far more damage than we realize. It is our responsibility as parents to believe, to help set healthy parameters for our children. And, and I know that my message does not make young people happy because all the other children. But it, it should never be in our life about what everybody else has. It should be about what's best for our family. What does God say? And when we begin to, begin to reestablish healthy parameters, all of a sudden it allows us to begin to experience life um, 
I'm not going to beat that dead horse much longer. I mean, like, just keep telling you. But be mindful of this. All right, I want to pray for you. I want to invite Pastor Dwayne. He's just going to come up and play nicely. Lord Jesus, you are good to us. And God, I thank you that you care about our homes. And God, I thank you that, um, that by wisdom a house is built. And Lord, our homes are in desperate need of your wisdom. Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, for those times where we have um, we have not exercised wisdom in raising our kids. Lord, would you forgive us um, because we, we live in the moment for the moment. Lord, we, we create loyalties that are deeper to the things of this world than to you. Lord, would you forgive us because, God, there are times where we focus more on our wants than on your will. And God, in so doing, the walls have come down. And our families are in distress and in disgrace. And so, Lord, we're asking for your favor and your wisdom. Lord, I pray for every family represented here. I pray for the generation. I pray for each generation, the generations that have gone before, the generations present, and the generations future. Lord, would you grant us wisdom and favor to restore walls that our children and our children's children would thrive. Lord, I pray for every family that, that is dealing with the mess and the junk and the chaos and that, Lord, you would begin to whisper hope and life. Father, I pray that you would fill with courage, that you would bring peace. God, we need you. But would you bless our families? Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your mercy. And God, I pray that your word would take root in our hearts. Lord, as we go through this week, would you remind us? Lord, I know that it's not just the kids that are struggling with screens, but Lord, it's even adults. And so, Lord, would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you guide us? Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want you to know I love you. I hope you're challenged today. Just remember, the walls are the parameters for your, your family or your responsibility. Allow the grace of God to work in you that the walls might be good, built in the right places, that the generations not only will know God, but that they'll flourish and thrive. Hey, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. I want to invite you back Wednesday night as we continue the conversation because we're going to have some fun conversation around this one. And uh, again, we have stuff for